Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Just ready, so uh, I'm going to talk about today some of the ups and downs of life. And you know, just by how, living your life every day, there's ups and downs all the time. You know, and, and I, I, as you know, I talk about things in sports terms because that's what makes sense to me the most. And as a sports fan, there's constant ups and downs all the time. Even, even if your team is good often, there's only one team in any league that wins the championship at the end. There's, there's one group of fans, uh, the New York Yankees, and the rest of us, we just want to kill the team that, that did win. Uh, the New York Yankees, their fans, they, they always seem to have a lot to cheer about. I was so happy to see them lose last night. I'm sorry if you're a Yankees fan. I don't enjoy the Yankees. They kill the Twins all the time. But um, they've had 27 World Series titles in their, in their history. That's a lot of winning. Uh, NBA, you've got the Lakers and the Celtics. They've won 17 titles. These teams have given their fans reason to keep coming back. Even after some of the down moments, they win enough to make it like, yes, I can follow them. And then you've got fans like... Uh, of teams of the Detroit Lions. They're awful. They're awful all the time. Uh, they have never, they're the only NFL team to have never won a title game in, in either the NFC title game, the AFC title game, or the Super Bowl. The only one. They're so bad usually that when my team, the Vikings, plays them and we're down, I just assume we're going to find a way to win. And we do. It happened two weeks ago. I love playing the Lions. Everybody loves playing the Lions. Uh, guy in the first service, he, he comes up to me last week. He's like, yeah, he's a Lions fan. He's like, yeah, we, you know, we're not winning much, but we've scored the most in the league. And I'm pretty happy about that. And then immediately after saying that last week, they scored zero points in the game. Um, that's the Lions for you. Ups and downs. Not enough ups for them. Now, again, as a Vikings fan, it's been more downs than ups, but there's one moment, and I, I shared this moment about four years ago. I plan on sharing this video every four to five years, okay? This is the highlight moment of a Vikings fan's life. It was beautiful. It was awesome. You're going to probably know it when you see it. We were down in a playoff game to the New Orleans Saints, another team I don't like, and no chance of winning whatsoever. Down by a point with like seven seconds left, here's what happened. And I'm going to get super excited as I watch this. That's going to be where Keenum's going to try to work the ball on the boundary. Keenum steps into it. Come on, Diggs. This is caught. Yeah, Diggs. Diggs. Sideline. Uh, Touchdown. Seriously, watch it this morning. Got excited. Watching it now. Getting excited. We got some Vikings fans here. I know that they're getting all pumped up too. Man, there's just something about that moment. Here's the thing, though. That moment didn't last forever. As you, maybe you know, what happened the next week. So we're, all Vikings fans were like, man, we're going to ride this wave to the Super Bowl. We're finally going to win it. And we, we, we get the ball first in the next game, going to Philadelphia in the NFC Championship game. We score a touchdown. We're up 7 nothing. Every Vikings fan is like, yes, this is our year. And then we proceeded to go and lose the next 38 points. We lost 38-7. to The Eagles went on to the Super Bowl, and they, as underdogs, beat the Patriots that year. Ups and downs. It's all ups and downs. And for, for the most part, most of us as fans, it's more downs than it's ups. It takes a lot of staying power to stay with your team when it feels like losing is what you get. 
You might call it staying power. You might call it perseverance. You might call it faithfulness. Whatever you call it, though, I think it's an important character trait for people to have. It's something that I'm trying to teach my kids. We, you know, we're doing homeschool stuff, and the two youngest ones, they're in math class. And I am their teacher some days. And they're doing this math stuff. And I'm, I'm like, let's stop the crying. And they're like, well, Dad, you, you're, you're the one crying. <laughs> like, stop. You stop. And I do want to cry sometimes. It's hard for them to, you know, to cross off the numbers all the way to the hundreds and figure out how to do all the subtraction. I get it. It's hard. But I'm trying to teach my daughters, like, staying power. It's going to be okay. You're going to figure this out. Just don't cry. Um, Staying power is one of those character traits that I think makes a follower of Jesus into a strong follower of Jesus. And there's no better example for us to see what that staying power looks like than to actually look at the life of Jesus. Um, we, we discover what that is through his life. And, and actually, the place we're going to look at today is immediately what followed his water baptism. You know, last week we baptized eight people. It was awesome. Enjoyed every minute of it. And we thought it was best, as we're in this Central Strong series, talking about what makes us strong as a church, what makes us strong as individual believers, how could we go from this water baptism talk to the next area? And we figured, let's talk about what happened with Jesus after he was baptized. Because when Jesus was baptized, it was a high moment. For those kids last week, when some of those kids getting baptized, I was trying to talk to them before the service, and they were amped up like they had like 80 cups of coffee or something. It was like, I couldn't talk to them. They're like, I'm just so excited. It was an up moment for them. It was a spiritual moment. But for Jesus, it was a, a whole different kind of up moment. But it, it didn't follow what followed after wasn't so much of a great moment, at least not in an exciting way. So we start off this with Matthew 3, and we're going to start at, at where Jesus was baptized and see what takes place from there. It says, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Matthew 4 then goes on to say, Then Jesus him and said, if you, are, if you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you're the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it's also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you'll bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan. For it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended Jesus. Okay, so I want to I take you back to the, the very beginning of this story Something amazing, something crazy, something miraculous happens. Jesus gets baptized and he comes up out of the water and a voice from heaven calls down to Jesus and to everybody there and says, this is my son whom I love and I'm well pleased with him. I'm telling you, if that happened today, every one of us would be like, what just happened? It'd be crazy. It's pretty cool. And so you're thinking at this point, okay, this is... This is 
an amazing thing that's just happened. We talked about this in the in about the beginning of February, we were going through a, a series on the book of Mark, and we talked a little bit about this moment, just how awesome of a moment this must have been for Jesus and the people standing there. Jesus kind of got this high spiritual moment, and I, I can't imagine that he could have walked away from that river without something in him going, man, that was awesome. Something about it had to feel good, even better than the day that I watched Steph Diggs running down the sidelines for that touchdown. I was going crazy that day. I was, I was hitting my buddy, and I, we could have given each other a black eye and wouldn't have felt it. Uh, to this date. I mean, you got the virgin birth. That was pretty cool. You got uh, shepherds singing out in the fields with the shepherds. All that stuff's cool. But, man, God the Father speaking out his love to Jesus as he gets, gets baptized. I know Jesus is perfect, but it's hard for me not to imagine that there was not something in Jesus that kind of was like, oh, yeah, that felt good. But then immediately the circumstances change. That same spirit who came and descended on, on Jesus in the form of a dove now sends Jesus out into the wilderness. And it says this, Matthew 4, 1, Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Jesus got no moment whatsoever to enjoy and to bask in this moment of God the Father speaking out love to him. You know, at least for me, uh, on the day that, that that Minneapolis miracle happened, I got to enjoy for the next week the feeling of that Minneapolis miracle until we lost horribly. Uh, you guys go and have dinner, and, and there's a dinner, you know, I shouldn't eat this. There's, my wife made a, a corn thing with salsa in it, and it's like the most tasty, awesome thing, but I know it kills me when I eat it. And you have those moments where you eat something and at least for two hours, you get to enjoy it before it kills your digestive system, right? Jesus got no time to enjoy this high moment. He goes straight into the wilderness. And I wonder, doesn't it feel eerily too similar to your life a lot of the time? You know, you bring a baby into the world, and it is the awesomest feeling in the world. And they don't want any five stinking minutes. It's the best feeling ever. And then they cry. And they don't stop for like 18 years. And you take the kid home and like four days later, you're thinking, is there an exchange policy on this? I'll even take a trade-in, just a quieter one. <laughs> These great things that happen, it, not all the good feeling lasts for a really long time all the time. You get your driver's license and you go and you, you, you saved up all this money. My, my daughter, she's going to be 16 in June. She thinks that she's saved up enough money for a used car. She's got like 2,000 bucks. Come on, kid. Don't you know used cars cost more than new cars nowadays? Um, and you save up all this money, and you go and you drive your car after getting your driver's license, and, and right away you get a flat tire, and now you owe money again. All these high feelings, and they get dashed so quickly. It reminds me of the, a song sung by Alanis Morissette called Ironic. A lot of you know, know the lines to it. Uh, it's like rain on your wedding day. It's free advice when you're already late. It's, there's other lines to it. I don't want to say them because you're going to have it in your head. I actually thought about singing the song, and I'm like, no, I'm not going to sing any part of that song. Because it'd be ironic if you now didn't listen to me because that song's in your head, right? So, not going to do that. But life is simply full of ups and downs. You feel it all the time. And all too often, the downs come right along with those ups. And it, it hurts sometimes. The truth is, though, 
Maybe it's what we need. Maybe too many ups in life is actually not good for us. Now, I wonder if, if, there's, if God didn't have a plan in sending Jesus out into the wilderness right away. Before everybody could come up to Jesus and be like, oh, Jesus, that was awesome. You're the man. You can have everything, anything you want. Like, I, maybe Jesus needed a wilderness moment before all that happened. I think God knows a little bit more than we do sometimes what we need. Maybe God brought the moment of wilderness for Jesus, following him a spiritual high, in order to help Jesus keep the character that he had to have in order to be willing to go to the cross. This wilderness moment did something in the life of Jesus to keep him humble, I think, to make him depend on God a little bit more. God knows what he's doing with us. I know if, if I just had good moment after good moment after good moment, it would be really, really hard for me to get to that place where I depend on God. I would get, I'd get sucked into this, this high moment, and I'm telling you, there's something spiritually right about us understanding how to be on an even keel most of the time. Uh, you guys, a spiritual truth for every one of us to understand it's important for us to, if we're going to have strong staying power in our walk with Jesus, that we need to remain even keeled, kind of like Jesus did. We see it in this story happening. While Jesus' circumstances were up and down, he remained even and steadfast through it all. I wonder if you've ever had a person in your life that every time you're around them, it just feels like, oh man, they're just, they're such a calming influence for me to be around. Most of us can probably think of the opposite person. The, the one that's not calming. I was at a cross-country meet, uh, my daughter's cross-country meet yesterday, and I think there's a coach there, I think it's from Madison LaFollette, really good coach. And see me, when I'm cheering for kids on a cross-country race, I'm crazy. I'm running, sprinting back and forth, and I'm like, come on, go, you gotta go get, like they're not trying hard enough. And I'm screaming at them. And this Madison LaFollette coach, man, I love this dude. He'll, he will get, he'll get right where they're, about where they're running, and he'll just quietly, he'll be like, all right, you're doing really good. You just got to get up to that next person. Two people ahead of you is what you're aiming for. We need those two people. And I look at him, I'm like, how do you do it? I literally ran past him going to a spot one time, and I go, coach, I don't understand how you stay so calm. It's amazing to me. There was a, a kid in our youth group a couple years back named Grace. She's in her third year, I think, of Bible college right now. And I used to tell her, I'm like, you have a calming thing about you. Even me as an adult, like, I just feel more calm when I'm around you. That's cool. That's a cool character trait to have. But I'm telling you, I think Jesus wants all of us to have a little bit more of that. For ourselves, for the people around us. And I think Paul was talking about this a little bit. Future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. These are, he's talking about extreme moments in your life. Ups and downs. And he's saying... None of those things should keep you from the love of God. None of those things should keep you from the calm and the peace that you feel in the love of Jesus. No matter what extremes you're feeling like in life, there should be a calm and there should be a sense of, of God's presence around you. So let's go back to the story. Let's go back to what happened here with Jesus. So I want to talk about how he can stay, just remain even keeled in the successes, in the highs of his life. I want to say, if, if there was a voice that came out from heaven right now, so that all of you could hear it, and it would be like, that, that Kellen right there, that, that dude's my son, whom I love, whom I am well pleased with. Can I just tell you, I'd get really cocky. 
Like, I'd be like, oh, did you guys hear that? Jesus loves me. He ain't saying nothing about you, but Jesus loves me. And I, there'd be something, I may not say it out loud, <laughs> but I'd be thinking stuff like that. I mean, I know my boss says something good about me in front of my coworkers, and I'm like, yeah, I'm so better than them. <laughs> or, it, that stuff just kind of, it happens. It shouldn't happen, but it does. My mom says something great about me, and I'm like, yeah, I am sure she loves me more than my sisters right now. It's never true, but I, I want to believe it. Hearing God's voice from, for Jesus, though, I think was different than it would have been if, if it happened for us. I don't think the voice of God was foreign or unusual to Jesus. I think sometimes it can be a little foreign to us. Hearing God's voice say that Jesus was loved, I don't, I don't think it changed the way that Jesus felt. He already knew his place with God. He already knew what his identity with God was. He talked with God. We know if, if anything else, we know this about Jesus. He got up in the morning early, probably every day. It sure may seem like that in the Bible. And he got alone and he prayed. He spent time talking to God. He, more than any of us, knows the voice of God. And I think he'd heard the voice of God already say, I don't think that, that, that this voice coming down when, when he was baptized was for Jesus to hear. I think it was for the people to hear. Jesus knew it. I too easily, though, I find my value in what others think of me. And so I'm swayed by the ups and downs of how I think people see me. Jesus wasn't like that. And so he wasn't swayed by thinking that God saw him as something great. He already knew it. The fact that God loved him, it, it wasn't news to him. It just, it just was. It's what he knew. And so from this, I think humility uh, was, was already born in Jesus. And I think it comes from this. Prayer brought context and grounding to Jesus' successes. Prayer is a thing that brought this, this context of who he was, but it also made him grounded. Again, he prayed all the time. He knew the voice of the Father. And he was putting himself in submission every single day to God the Father. It was equal with God when you are God, create, God become man. It's because in those moments of prayer, submitting himself to the will of the Father. Prayer humbles us by helping us to remember our place in submission to God. This is why I think constant success in our lives actually is maybe the biggest spiritual hindrance that any of us can have. You look at people who are incredibly wealthy, incredibly famous throughout Hollywood, throughout the sports world, wherever, and you're going to see a lot of people that, I'm sorry to say it, a lot of times there's a lot of spiritual destruction in their lives. Success can actually breed us being spiritually in a really bad place. Who needs to pray and submit when everything I do turns out great? Maybe you struggle to pray. Maybe you don't know how to pray. Or maybe you think that prayer is just for those times of when everything hits the fan. Prayer, I think, first and foremost, it is about submitting ourselves to God. It's acknowledging his presence and our need for that presence. We need these kinds of prayers before we ever get success. I know one of the things that I end up praying a lot in, in, in my time, like uh, I, I pray a lot when I go for run, a run, and something that happens every time, um, maybe uh, of, Lord, direct me and guide me today. I need your help. I pray that over and over, and sometimes I get, I get frustrated with myself. I'm like, Kellen, you're just praying that without even thinking. 
But it is, I've, I've realized it's almost a, a mantra that I need, my spirit, my mind, my heart needs that to realize that I am in need of God's help every single day. I'm in need of his direction. And without it, I'm going to be nothing. But also I need to pray that so that for those moments when I actually find success, I don't think it was because of me. When I depend on God and I, I submit myself to Jesus through prayer, I no longer think that I'm the source of my success. For Jesus, strong staying power in successful times, it started with prayer. Okay, so what about the low times? What about those times where Jesus was in the desert for 40 days and he was hungry? How did Jesus remain even keeled in the temptations and in the lows of life? Man, I think about what Satan did to Jesus in, in that wilderness. The temptations that he threw on Jesus, they were so pointed. They were so, uh, man, how do, you, how do you hold against that? Well, a guy who's incredibly hungry, who has all the power in the world to do whatever he wants. And those temptations that the, that the tempter gave to Jesus, they would have persuaded most people. They do persuade most people every single day. But Jesus heard the lie behind the temptations. I want you to look at the first of the three temptations. We're not going to talk through all three of these temptations, but I want to look at the first of these three temptations a little bit. And Satan says to Jesus, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. You know, and I've always thought, when I think about that, that temptation, I've always thought, okay, Jesus has been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. He's hungry. The temptation here is to eat food. That eat, eating food is going to be the bad thing. Is eating food going to be a bad thing for Jesus? No. Jesus had all the freedom in the world to eat food if he wanted to. I think the temptation actually goes back. We need to look back at what happened at the baptism. What happened at the baptism? God the Father spoke out loud, audibly, for everybody to hear that this is Jesus, this is my son, whom I love and I'm well pleased with. And then you look at the very first thing that Satan says in each of the three temptations. He says, if you are the son of God. If you're the son of God, do this. If you're the son of God, do that. He is trying to get at the identity of Jesus. That's the temptation. Now, if I can get Jesus to believe that the identity that he has been called to is not real, now I can get him to do stuff that he's not supposed to do. So yes, the temptation was to, to turn those stones into bread. But doing that would have been wrong because it was for the wrong purpose. How many times do you do something for the wrong purpose because you are chasing an identity with people or with God that has already been said by God, you are this, you are loved, you are good. And in this first uh, temptation, it says, Jesus answered, it's written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Satan was trying to do two things. He was trying to, trying to get Jesus with two temptations, I think, in this one question that he gave him. The first of them is he's trying to get at the lie that he needs bread to survive, that he needs something to survive. And Jesus knew it was a lie, that he only needed the mouth of God, the mouth of God which was from Scripture, but also what he heard at the baptism. And the second thing was the lie that his identity was different from than what was said about him at the time of his baptism. Jesus uses scripture to prove that all he really needs is his connection to God. That is the thing that he needs. That is the truth, the key truth that Jesus needs in this life. He needs the truth of scripture. 
of God's word, and that's it. And so when Jesus responds to, to Satan in this temptation, it's almost like he's saying, hey, Satan, I am, in fact, God's son, just like I was told when I was baptized, just like he's told me every day that I've been praying, just like he tell, tells me in, in God's word. What came out of his mouth is everything I needed to hear. I don't need to prove myself by making bread. I don't have to prove myself by making a miracle happen just to fill my stomach because I have the truth of knowing my real identity. Some of us, we need to understand what that real identity is. And here's how we, how we figure it out. Knowing God's word brings context and truth. And it brought context and truth to Jesus' temptations. When you know the truth of God's word, it brings context to the things that you're dealing with. And it brings truth to the lies that are being told to you. See, your, your wilderness times, it may not look like Jesus' wilderness times. The, the wilderness that Jesus went into, it, that was dark. Forty days of, of temptation and, and hunger and thirst. Your wilderness moments might not look like that, but they are as spiritually dangerous. That's why we need God's, God's word as the weapon for those darkest moments in our lives. God's word brings out the promises of God in face of the lies and the temptations of Satan. We need God's word. Because see, what you believe about something is the central piece to whether or not you're going to actually have staying power through that. I, I have to believe that there's a day that the Vikings are going to win the Super Bowl if I'm going to continue to be their fan. I don't know why I continue to believe it. Is going, but I do. I have to believe my daughters are going are gonna to have, not, I don't want to say success, but they're going to follow Jesus the way that they should one day. I have to believe that what we're doing is, is going to matter for that. Otherwise, man, being a parent, it's hard to have staying power. We need staying power. And when times get difficult, the only way through, the only way to have that strong staying power is to continue to believe the right things. And for Jesus, strong staying power in hard times started with remembering truths from God's word. Here's the problem. I know some of you might be sitting here and you're like, oh, I'm at church again, and it seems to always just come back to praying and reading God's word. I'm not good at those two things. I've tried it. I don't know how to pray. I don't like praying. I don't like reading the Bible. It seems like something that I can't understand. I don't get it. Why does it always have to come back to these two things? There is simply no way around it. Prayer and God's word can bring us strong staying power in our daily walk with Jesus like nothing else can. So, that being the case, we're going to try to do something to make this a little bit easier. If we need prayer and we need scripture in our lives to actually help us grow, then let's try to do it maybe in an easier way. So here's what we got. I really like this little booklet, okay? This is something that you can find on the tables uh, on your way out and at the guest services table. You can also go onto our website, centraljanesville.com, and go to the hub. Uh, it's on the top right corner. And you're going to see study guides, and you're going to see this prayer guide on there. I like this prayer guide, and here's why. For the next 40 days, six days a week, you're going to have a passage and a key truth to that passage. Um, there's six days because we figure on the weekend you get busy, maybe you just do one of those days, okay? The passage could be anywhere from two verses to a chapter in the Bible. 
A chapter is not a ton. Don't worry about it. But the idea is to read that. And then I love uh, David meeting one of our pastors. Underneath, the idea is for us to take that scripture and use it in our prayer time. And there's actually on the front cover of this, there is a simple uh, kind of a formula. I hate to say formula for prayer, but it's kind of a formula. And it's called SOAP. It is scripture, getting into scripture. The O is for observation. The A is for application. The P is for prayer. So we're looking to, to get into scripture. We're looking to observe what it is that God is saying in this. Not just like for me right now, but what was God saying at that time? And then I'm going to apply that, that observation to my life today, and then I'm going to pray about it. And one thing I'd, I'd actually encourage you to do is, you take the back side of this, it's blank. I'd like you to write the names of five to ten people who you need to be praying for over these 40 days. That might sound like a lot of people, but it's not. Um, I think we all need to have a list of five to ten people we're praying for consistently. Maybe people who don't know Jesus. Maybe it's people who you just know are they're struggling in the wilderness of life right now. I believe God does something in us. He does something in me when I pray for people. I actually think that there's probably no, I don't know if there's a greater spiritual discipline that has led to discipleship in my life than choosing to pray for somebody else. It's changed my heart in ways that nothing else does. So put five to ten names of people that you're going to pray for. And as you're praying through these key truths, Maybe you pray those truths over those people while you're praying those truths over yourself. I really do believe prayer and the truth of Scripture are the things that we need to have strong staying power. Maybe your life is struggling right now. Maybe your spiritual life is a struggle. Uh, so much in a Sunday morning at church listening to a preacher preach. I hope it helps. But it really has to every day be this personal walk that we have with Jesus. This is a really cool way to do that. So I'm encouraging you. I'm going to be taking this. I'll probably forget some days because I'm, this isn't what I do all the time. Don't feel guilty if you forget once in a while. But take this and, and let's pray and let's, let's go through these scriptures together. And let's let God speak to us. It's truth to us. And let's pray, okay? Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.